Hello, and welcome to another Industry Careers for PhDs podcast brought to you by Cheeky Scientist. I'm your host, Isaiah Henkel, and today we will be talking uh, talking to Bartosz Belzerski um, about moving from scientist to management positions in industry. If you're interested in listening to the full interview and getting access to all of our interviews, uh, as well as our career training materials and industry transition materials, and being able to show up to these interviews live, you can go to cheekyscientist.com backslash association and learn more about becoming an associate. If you'd like these, these highlights and these podcasts delivered to your email inbox, just go to cheekyscientist.com and you can sign up for free uh, on that page in the bottom middle of that page. And then finally, you can listen to these podcasts anytime on iTunes. Uh, so again, we're going to be talking to Bartos and uh, Bartos is a program manager at Leica Biosystems, a cancer diagnostics company with a global presence, a uh, very strong global presence now. He's responsible for delivering projects to the business uh, within budget and on time. His current portfolio of projects includes product, pro- products expected to deliver 40 to $60 million in revenue over the next two to three years. Um, Bartos has over 12 years of experience in leading R&D projects in the field of cancer diagnostics, medical devices, and molecular uh, and developmental biology. Uh, Bartosz received his master's in biotechnology out of the University of Dansk in Poland. Uh, he went on to receive his PhD in developmental biology uh, in the Department of Craniofacial Development at King's College London and did a postdoc at the Center for Stem Cell and Regenerative Medicine at the University of Southern Carolina. And of course, since then, moved into an R&D role and then from there into a management role. So we are going to jump right in with Bartosz now. Uh, so welcome, Bartosz. Thank you for being here with us. Uh, hi, Zaya. Glad to be here. Yeah, so it's first of all, congratulations on the promotion and all the new things you're doing. That's very exciting. Thank you very much. Thanks. <laughs> yeah, of course. Uh, so you, you know, this is a, a another unique instance where, you know, Bartos came through the association, um, transitioned successfully, and has already been promoted into a a higher level position, um, and one where he was able to transition into more of a management role away from the bench. Uh, so so very excited about this. Uh, I wanted to ask you the, the same question we ask everyone, uh, mm-hmm. especially because you came, came to the association. Why, why did you decide to transition out of academia? Um, it was, I guess, the, in the broad sense of the term, you can say that I kind of I fell out of love with, with academia. I was, I was sort of, I was four years into my postdoc at University of Southern California, not not Southern Car- Carolina, like you said, but that's okay. Um, oh, California. Thank Southern you. California, yes, that, that's okay. So I was four years into my postdoc, and um, I was kind of looking at what I do on a daily basis, um, and I realized that I'm spending a lot of time essentially on my own. Uh, it's either you know sitting on a microscope for two or three hours or spending a lot of time uh, in the basement of my building where we had the facility that, that houses the zebrafish that I was working on. Mm. And I'm a really, I'm, I'm a person guy. So I was, I was missing that, that kind of collaborative spirit spirit, and I was missing the interaction with, with people. Um, and also another thing that kind of put me off more and more of academia was the fact that Everything just took ages to to achieve. Um, so publishing papers, um, you know, submitting uh, grants, and and it all 
took a long, long time. Then you would wait for, for months to hear whether your, your paper is finally published or whether you got a grant that you applied for. And, and it was also very hard work. You know, as, as a postdoc in the, in the States, I, w I was used to working, you know, 10, 11, sometimes 12 hours a day. And, you know, I, w I was I was weighing all of that against the amount of money, really, that I was making. Yeah. And also and also my career prospects of, of mm -hmm. what, well, you know, I'm four years into my postdoc. What am I going to do next? Do I really want to be a professor? and just sit basically like like my boss used to mm -hmm. sit pretty much all day in my office reading papers and applying for grants and i decided that th th this is not the career path that i want to go uh, you know down into especially now yes. with how competitive it has become to to get that that um, you know to, to the level of, of a professor um it just just the, the chances um of that happening are so slim these days that I didn't feel, you know, safe kind of pursuing, pursuing academic career in that direction. Mm. So I decided to, I decided to, um, well, first of all, I took a break. I took a break almost a year where I just, I quit my postdoc and I took that year really to, to um, get involved in things like, like cheeky scientist and, and to really, think about what it is that I want to do next. And I decided that uh, for various reasons that the, the easiest thing for me to do probably would be to start as a scientist in, in, uh, in a company because I have that scientific background. But then hopefully, you know, at some point I'll be able to get away from, from the lab bench and get more into, into management. And I sort of, I started also discovering the world of management um, through um, participating in a lot of um, open online courses. Uh, one of them being uh, one of the websites that I would recommend, for example, is a Coursera. I started taking a lot of courses there um, that were to do okay, with so, well, project, so, project management, yes. program management, stuff like that. So, so to, to sum up, and I just want to jump in here um, to keep everybody on track. So you. You kind of fell out of love with academia, like you said. You did something yeah. that is very, very smart. You looked ahead to your professional lifestyle um, mm -hmm. that you wanted to have, with the professional lifestyle you saw others around you having that you didn't want, um, and you, and then you tried to match a career to that lifestyle instead of the other way around. Yeah. Um, and you know, I, I do remember you going through this process of, of this uh, intense learning process where you were networking and <clears throat> figuring out what else to do. Um, and I think that's what led you to the position you have. And so I just want to transition into, excuse the pun, but I want to transition into another question on sure. why did you decide to stay at the bench? Was it kind of a stutter step because you knew you'd eventually get into project management or did you like science? What, what made you decide to transition into a, a scientist role first? And you know what? I, I started, um, so I started connecting with people on, on, LinkedIn, on LinkedIn and, and reaching, out, reaching out to people, you know, working for, the companies that I wanted to to get into, um, and I, I applied for a couple of um, you know projects uh, manager or program manager positions, but I just I never got any I never got anywhere I never got any, any traction that way. So I decided okay um, you know I, I do have that that heavy you know science background and and um, I've been working you know at a bench for over ten years, so I need to 
try to get just to get my foot in the door, you know, that way. And that's when I I I I, I guess the where I live here in UK in the Northeast, there aren't that many um, biotech or pharma uh, companies. But I found Leica Biosystems, and I connected with a few people through LinkedIn um, from there. And actually, when I came to apply for a job there, um, I used one of my contacts there as a referral. So that was that was that was a great help. But essentially, I decided at some point that okay, I think I need to, you know, just to, like I said, just to get my foot in the door. I'll start as a scientist, and then once I get, you know, a year or two of that industry experience behind my belt, then I'll reassess again and I'll start applying for more, you know, management uh, positions. That makes sense. Um, and, you know, everybody's path is different. So I, I think it's important to note that if you want to get into project management or research science or whatever it might be, one thing that we recommend is looking at lateral positions, positions that um, where it's very easy to, to transition from one to the other after you're in. Uh, too many, I think too many uh, PhDs look for that one perfect position that they want and they don't apply to anything else. Um, you know, we've had people that have just looked continuously for medical science liaison positions over and over again, but if mm. they broaden their search to like a medical associate position, got into that first, they could quickly transition into um, the medical science liaison. And in this case, uh, you know, you're a great example of this, uh, Bartas. You you transition into a research scientist position and then, you know, 12 months, you know, not five years later, right? We, all, we always think in terms of five years <laughs> of PhDs, but 12 months later, yeah. things change very quickly and now you're in this new role. So, so I think that's an important point. Yeah, it really went, it went, uh, uh, it went quite fast. I was actually mm. surprised how fast things started moving once I started working for Leica and I'm, I'm very happy with with where I am at the moment. Yeah, absolutely. So again, things move much quickly. The key is just getting into industry first, and then you can move. And again, you'll move fast. Uh, yeah. so, the, so the next question I had is: you talked about your transition. We've gone over some of these basics already, but I always want to be upfront about the challenges. What were some of the most challenging parts of your transition? Um, it could be challenging parts of the job search in general, like networking, or even once you got hired. What was what was mm -hmm. challenging in terms of um, the onboarding process? Um, I guess, do you know what, once I, once I actually uh, started working for Leica, I wouldn't say that there were any particular challenges. There were, there were maybe a few differences that I had to get used to, but I just, you know, I just accepted that that's the way things are done in the industry and I, I got on with it. The, the challenges for me really were um, that, that one year between my postdoc and between when I started at Leica trying to really first, you know, figure out what it is that I want to do and then, uh, you know, tailoring my, my CV to actually start getting some responses from, from um, hiring managers or from, from uh, recruiters because uh, that was my biggest um, problem. I guess my situation was a little bit complicated at the time as well because I was applying for jobs in the UK where at the time I was living in California um, and I, I had to stay in California for one extra uh, year for, for various reasons um, but really I started getting more uh, traction with my applications when I finally moved to the UK and I was able to put uh, a UK address on my CV so that people knew that I was sort of already here and available for um, 
available for um, you know um, interviews straight away rather than living on the other side of the world. Um, so I mean specific challenges. Um, hmm. I guess putting yeah putting that uh, I, for me I think the biggest single challenge was to make my to depart from that that academic CV and make it more suited to applying for industry positions. Um, and I went through the I, I guess I went through the you know normal uh, motions of of you know being really scared about um, you know removing my publications from my CV because I thought that that was my you know that was that really showed that I was productive in academia and that showed my achievements. But I in the end you know I, I removed all of my publications from my CV. And I, I totally changed the way my CV uh, looked, and, and that's when the Cheeky Scientist Association, you know, the, the, the Facebook webpage, and, and reaching out to different people, connecting with other associates, that, that's what really helped me because I was able to share my CV, uh, and then when I started going to interviews as well, share my experiences and read about other people's experiences and and and, and learn from from that. So yes. so for me that that was that was the the biggest single help, I think, from from Cheeky Scientists Association was connecting with other people who were in the same situation that I was in, and kind of supporting sure. each other through this process. So, so just to sum up, I guess the the biggest challenges for you, like you said, was, um, you know, the the networking, the the CV, the interviewing. Uh, I'm changing the CV to the resume, and um, networking from abroad, essentially. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. During this mm -hmm. year off, how did you network? You know, um, when you weren't in the same city of necessarily where you wanted the job, what did you do? What are some of the strategies that worked? So I um, I started when I was still living in in Los Angeles, in California. I, I you know, there's a lot of uh, you know good schools over there that organize quite a lot of events for for postdocs and PhD students who want to transition into into industry. So I started going to those and and trying to connect with with people through that and i actually um found a, a girl who um also was a usc graduate and at the time she was working as a research scientist for baxter mm. and she really she helped me a lot so she actually gave me a tour of the baxter facilities and, and i was working kind of with her even to get myself um sort of a, like an, an internship with with Baxter in the end it didn't it didn't work out for for various you know visa um, issues um, but but that um, relationship with her helped me in that she was the first person who really cast um, a critical eye on my CV and that's when my CV started changing to more of a resume like you said mm -hmm. um, but networking from abroad, um, well, basically what I did is I, I essentially went to uh, Google and started looking for, you know, uh, biotech and pharma companies in the northeast of England. And then every single company that I was able to find, I would then find their LinkedIn web page. And most of them have a, a LinkedIn profile. Yes. And then I would that would allow me to see um if anybody from my network already is working for the company or if anybody knows anybody who 
is working for a company in the northeast of, of UK, a company that I, I would be you know interested in. I also have a couple of friends who did their PhDs at the University of uh, Newcastle here in the northeast. So I use them uh, as um, contacts and I ask them to contact any of their friends who still live in the region and and uh, because we all have the same background, you know, biological sciences. Um, they had quite a lot of friends who worked for um, various companies throughout the region. So I got in touch with them through my friends as well. Um, but in the end, what worked was I, I found, um, once I found an ad for, for a senior scientist position at Leica, I just contacted, um, I think, 10 or 15 people from Leica that looked like they were working in the R&D department, and I just approached them saying, you know, hi, this is my current situation. I'm really interested in this position. Would you be able to, uh, you know, tell me about uh, what it's like working for Leica? Most of them have been there for quite a few years. So I was sort of saying that, you know, you've been there for a long time. So, so obviously you must be enjoying it there. Um, you know, would it be possible to meet up for um, I guess that was after I already moved to the UK, I was asking them if it would be possible to maybe meet up with them for coffee so we can talk about their work at Leica. Perfect, and, perfect. And stuff, well, let me, jump, stuff in, like let me that. jump in here. You've covered a lot. Yeah. So I want to recap. Uh, I mean, this this is just great, great examples and, and really just pure gold knowledge for all of you listening. All right, there's no secret here, right? There was no secret networking trick, uh, really, that, that Bartos did. He just... He networked, he went on LinkedIn, he looked at the company pages, he looked at who, not just his primary connections were, but who his secondary and tertiary connections on LinkedIn uh, were. When he saw a job opening, right, he didn't just upload his resume blindly online, he went and found not one, not two, not three, not four, not five, but what do you say, 12 to 15 people who worked at I think it was that. 15, yeah. Yeah, 15, 15 <laughs> people, right? So this is where we talk about changing your threshold. Right? Most of you would reach out to one person, hear nothing back, and say, well, I gave it my best shot. Here you reached out to 15 different people at Leica and didn't just say, hey, here's my skills, can you give me a job? He said, he asked them a question, right? Short and sweet, what's it like working here? An open-ended question that, that got them answering um, and uh, <clears throat> it successfully led to the job. So I, th I think that's... A great example of what it takes to network, uh, especially when you're you want to work in a, in a different city and you're not living in that city. Um, great strategies, um, and and they paid off. So you had this year off, right, Marcos? Mm -hmm. How did how did you address this? And we'll talk about the application and interview process. But how did you address this during an interview? Did it did it come up? Do you know what? It never it never even came up during the during the interview. Um, later on, when I was when I was finally um, employed and I started working there um, I guess I was working I was talking to my manager and then also with um, the head of R&D department and and that's when they kind of asked me you know, you know what did you do for that that year and I I, I told them that that I spent that year um, pretty much you know figuring out what it is that I wanted to do but also also networking trying to connect with people who would be able to um, tell me more or networking with people who would be able to um, give me more of a glimpse of, of what it's like working in the industry so I could get a better understanding of it. But also, like I mentioned uh, earlier, I, I completed, um, I think, about 10 or 15 
different um, courses of those online courses and some of them were uh, you know to do with, with with project management quite a lot of them because that's sort of the area that I was I was um, interested in um, so from that perspective I know I was already employed but they um, you know they looked at it and they basically said well you know it, it's good that you didn't essentially waste that year but you, you know you did spend it uh, trying to figure out what it is that you wanted to do and and broadening your your perspective and and you know um, getting some maybe not hands-on experience with project management but you know completing some courses that will give you <clears throat> some project management knowledge that, that would be um, advantageous to the employer absolutely so uh, again he the, the takeaway here is that he created a narrative and he chose the narrative and he chose where this quote-unquote gap um, played into his narrative and, he, and really he leveraged it to his advantage uh, when you have an unemployment gap you, you you think it's a big deal it's not it is definitely not I mean especially for people who have a PhD right it's not like you've been doing nothing your entire life right you have a PhD they they there's certain assumptions that are made about PhDs and one of them is that they're you know certainly that they're hardworking um, and they've been investing in something um, in, in their education so uh, taking year off simple answers like building up your network right or getting or pursuing different options these are usually enough and very often it does not doesn't even come up especially if it's only a year or two after uh, something as significant as getting your, your PhD uh, so, so that's great um, another question here that I think is is good is is it common for PhDs without postdoc experience to work in research scientists and project management positions we've done a lot of other webinars and I can tell you that yes it is especially for research scientist positions in fact there's even a lot of uh, you know MS degree holders only working in research scientist positions um, same with project management, uh, you know, on-the-job training is, is more important than education, but mm -hmm. we do like to hear it um, from a, the point of view of individual companies, because every company is different. So at your company, maybe you can tell us about, about this from your point of view. So I can tell you that um, my um, R&D department, I think it's about, I would say it's about 30 people, and I am, I am only one of two people uh, who did a postdoc everybody else who is a scientist or a senior scientist or a principal scientist in my R&D group uh, went to a scientist straight from either a, an MS um, and the vast majority after having completed their PhDs um, wow. but yeah apart from me there's only other one other person who uh, who's done a postdoc Wow so well, there's your answer. I think that's significant. And and kind of coming off the heels of that, right? We always think we need more courses. We need more postdoc to get a job when you don't. Um, but you know, Bartos, you did take a course, the Coursera course. So maybe you can talk about that. And if you think it actually, like, you no, know, everything that you do, your postdoc experience taking courses, you can certainly leverage to your advantage. But I will tell oh, you yeah. right now. But I'll tell you right oh, now, yeah. is it required? Not. But maybe you can talk about that just real quickly. So basically. Um, the, it, for, so I give the example of Coursera. There's many other websites that offer you the, these courses, but what, why I like Coursera is because um, the courses are taught by by um, lecturers from some some of the best universities in the world. Well, how much is and how that, much is the course? Um, so they're they're relatively cheap. You can you can complete a course for I think it's forty to fifty bucks. And what for, was the course you took it in? Project management. 
So I took I took a lot. I took some in um, emotional intelligence. I wanted to find out more about that. I took some in project management. I think it was from University of, of Irvine. Um, and then I took some more kind of in-depth project management uh, courses from, I think it was from the um, Wharton School of Business. Um, and those were, you know, to do with, with scoping out a project, budgeting, planning, um, managing, you know, stakeholder, um, what, what do you think was more important, these Coursera courses or, or networking? Um, no, I would have to say definitely networking. <laughs> I was going to say, this can't be a close decision for you. No, no, it's okay. As P I just want yeah. to make this strong point. As PhDs, you're always going to lean towards wanting to take more courses. And as PhDs, you understand the value of continuing to grow and to learn. But you should never sacrifice your networking or reaching out to you know, 15 different people when you see a job opening, uh, this, you know, and networking like Bartos did, to taking courses. And so I want to I want to just make that very clear. Don't get on, you know, listen to this webinar and think, okay, I'm going to take all these courses and that's going to get me hired. Learning helps, developing your transferable skills and different things helps, but it's never a substitute for networking or getting referrals. Never. Yeah, you're right. You're um, right. So, so perfect. So the, now I want to get back to the application process. So you networked, right? This led, I'm, I'm, I'm assuming this led to a referral. And then what did the interview process look like for, for the, the senior scientist role? Yeah, so um, it wasn't, I would say it wasn't very straightforward. So um, what happened essentially was um, when I was still living in the States, I applied for a senior scientist position and um, I applied without a referral. Without a referral, um, and you know, I got I got nowhere. Um, once I moved to the UK, I saw that another job was advertised, and it was a job for a, a lab manager, not a senior scientist. And I applied for the lab manager position, uh, and I was able to use one of my contacts at like as a referral for that one. Mm. Um, and essentially, you know, nothing would be happening. Um, and I really, I, I, you know, from, from what I, from the feedback I got from the people working at Leica, I, I sounded like a great company to work for. So I didn't just want to let it go. So what I did is I reached out to a couple of people at Leica again and asked them for uh, the contact details to either the hiring manager or the head of R&D. And as it happened, I, I got a phone call a few days later from the head of R&D. And we had a chat for about 20 minutes. Mm. And after 20 minutes, she basically said, uh, you know, would you have time next week to come and, you know, we can show you around and we can have a conversation about, um, you know, different jobs we've got going here at, at Leica at the moment. And I said, yeah, sure. You know, that would be my pleasure. Mm. And, you know, and the rest is pretty much history. I, I went for the following week, I went for an interview. And even though, uh, my initial application was for lab manager position. They actually told me after the interview, uh, or I guess during the interview, that just from um, from my CV and from our conversation, they think that I would be more suited to a senior scientist position. Hmm. Uh, and I said, um, you know, that's that's great. Um, but I kind of I didn't want to just leave it there. I was I was very honest with them, and I said that you know I'm I'm happy to I'm very happy to, to you know to be offered this this position, 
Uh, I'm very happy that you think that would be, I would you know be great for for a senior scientist. Um, but my uh, they, they they asked me also where you know where do I see myself in five years? And I said that I'm happy to start as a senior scientist, but where I see myself in you know three four five years is actually getting away from the bench and getting more into into project management or or people management. And they were, you know, they were very open to that. And they said, you know, um, it's a great time now to join Leica. Uh, the company is growing. The R&D department is um, is projected to grow um, by about, you know, 50% in the next year or two. So there's going to be a lot of, you know, new uh, different opportunities. Uh, there's going to be a lot of new um I guess jobs created because the R&D department is going to expand. So that, yeah, there will be opportunities for for growth and for for promotion, stuff like that. Thank you for joining us for another Industry Careers for PhDs podcast. If you're interested in attending one of these interviews live, or if you're interested in getting access to the full interview, including all of the background materials and show notes go to cheekyscientist.com backslash association and learn how to become a associate. Um, you can get on the wait list for the next association enrollment period there and learn full details about the program. It's a program specifically designed to help PhDs transition uh, into top industry positions. If you would like to see receive more of these interview highlights uh, via our podcast, uh, sent directly to your email, go to cheekyscientist.com and email subscribe under where it says start here. If you haven't already, you can also subscribe to this podcast on iTunes. Um, until next week, remember your value as a PhD and start thinking and acting like a successful industry professional.